0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Hey church, welcome to City Life Online. If you are with us for the first time, so great to have you. So great to be with you online, City Life. Yay, it's a great Sunday. Anyway, if you're joining us for the first time or even if you've been with us, we have been on a series called Disruptive Discipleship and that is disruptive in a good way. But today we got a fun clip to start, so let's watch this. When things go wrong, anger is there. This is anger. He will make sure the world knows anger is in control. But what you really need to watch out for is when he's out of control. Wasn't that great? I love Inside Out. If you have not seen Inside Out, you gotta go watch it. I could go on all day about that movie. It is so funny, but very insightful. Anyway, another story. But here, all humor aside, put your hand up or comment in the feed with your favorite emoji if you have struggled with anger over the past 18 months both hands up yes <laughs> you know there are a lot of headlines you know some if you just type in 2020 or even 2021 and anger like there's amazing the headlines that you'll come up with things like 2020 has been dubbed the year of anger or is another one pandemic fatigue is giving way to pandemic anger and they're now finding mom rage is actually a thing road rage That was yesterday mom rage it's a thing moms take heart you're not crazy you're not losing it um clinical psychologists describe something this is what it's called free-floating frustration and aggression which is aggression you feel inside of yourself but can't direct at a certain object or cause you're just mad well, that explained a lot for me over the past 18 months. Maybe that helps you too. Here's another one. This is another article. It said outrage has become the defining motion, emotion of the 21st century, worn righteously as a finger pointing badge of honor. And that's where we get our virtue signaling. Here's another one. This one's kind of like a team of scientists from Yale University found out that likes and shares on social media are teaching people to be angrier. Those whose tweets received more likes or shares on their angry posts tended to keep the trend going with their succeeding tweets. Hearing that made me angry, (laughs) but you know what? Here, here's another example, just to illustrate this a little bit more. There is a buzzword in the functional medicine field. And it's the word inflammation you might have heard about that but it's actually they're starting to study it a lot more with a lot more um a lot more intentionality because in when your body is inflamed or has inflammation it doesn't work right allergies gut problems a lot of that is inflammation issues They're even finding that chronic pain mental disorders disease At the root, it is an inflammation issue in our body. So when your body is inflamed, it doesn't work right. Now, when our soul is inflamed, it doesn't work right either. It doesn't respond to life in a right way. So something like constant, unaddressed, mismanaged anger that is an inflamed soul. Your soul is inflamed. So let me clarify though, because anger is one of those tricky emotions. A lot of times anger can get tangled up with good things or it can get tangled up with things that, that seem right because it's, you know, we can get mad or we can be angry about injustice and evil. And you know what? We should be. Anger can also bring about good or needed change. For example, how many have you ever, I know I have, but how many of us have ever gotten so mad at ourselves for, you know, bad habits or bad choices or bad decisions? It finally comes to the point we get so mad that we do something about it and we make a change. Ever been there? Guess what? I was there last night, (laughs) being honest, but it was very, I just got so mad at myself, how mad I was getting, what I was reading on all my social media feeds. You know what I did? I went and unfollowed a whole bunch of accounts. Now to be clear here, don't be upset. Wasn't any personal accounts, nobody from church that I unfollowed. It was all people that are just people don't even really know. But I just thought, this is crazy. You know when it comes to anger, Jesus got angry. He got angry. He got angry at unbelief. He got angry at sin. He got angry at sickness, he got angry at injustice, and, and he, got mad. he got so mad once he flipped tables. I cannot wait to see that scene in the Chosen TV series. I hope they do that. But Jesus expressed anger. You know what, maybe you were in an environment where showing emotion, whether good emotions or even, even not so great emotions or something as intense as anger, maybe that wasn't encouraged. And anger itself isn't sin. See, there's a word in the Bible that is used for a good kind of anger and it's the word zeal. Have you ever heard of that word, zeal? It's not a real word we use in our common language today, but it is a word that's used in scripture. And this word zeal, it was used to describe a good kind of anger, a passion so intense that you were burning or you were were on fire. You know, you're on fire, you were passionate, you were zeal, I'm so zealous. And you know, David, he, in the book of Psalms, he said, zeal for God's house consumes me. You know, it's good to be zealous for God's house. Another character in the Old Testament by the name of Jehu, he was, once, he was once talking to, he was in a chariot, and he was going furiously after a wicked queen. And there was a guy that was coming up to him, and he said, come and see me. He come, and he says, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. You know, we can be zealous for God, even in scriptures. It, it describes God's zeal as being the zeal of the Lord will do this. You know, in the New Testament, Paul talks about leaders leading with zeal. You know, it's good to be passionate about things. We need passion because passion or zeal is contagious in a good way. Just think about when, you know, you wanted to do something right or do something good and you got really excited about it. You know, moms, maybe you do this with your kids, you you know, the room. Their rooms need cleaning, the house needs cleaning. You get, come on, let's clean the room. Let's make it fun. I used to do this with my kids and then it would change everything. They would get excited too, but, but anger can be a positive thing. But an anger in the soul that's not managed rightly becomes an offended soul. Anger in the soul that isn't managed rightly becomes an offended soul. And, you know, I think our culture today is this, we see it so much in, in, in everywhere, you know, in our news, even around us. And I think even the, the current circumstances that we're in and the current environment of our world right now that is so filled with fear and polarization. There's this, there's this constant state of anger and offense, and it's so easy to get offended and so easy to stay angry. So what is our response? What is our response, whether we're Jesus followers or not? But, but especially for those of us that we call ourselves followers of Jesus, what is our response to the division that we either see or we come across? What is our response to the cancel culture in our world? What is our response to the polarization? What is our response to the anger and the, the, just the eruption, the inflamed state of the world that we live in? Are we contributing to it? Or are we diffusing it? You know, Jesus, He does teach us to love and forgive. But does that mean we're supposed to just be sappy, happy little doormats that just, you know, we're kind of unfazed or unmoved by what's going on in the world around us and we're just kind of la-di-da-di-da, it's all going to be alright, it's all going to be okay. Or are we supposed to be offended and upset at sin and pointing out what's wrong and getting you know, all ticked off and complaining about our unrighteous leaders or didn't vote for that person or out protesting for our rights? Like, what is our response supposed to be? You know, I think different personalities will have a different answer for that, but you know what, there's something that overrides our personality responses, and that's the Word of God. And you know, we actually do have some instructions. Paul, writer of most of the New Testament, He wrote, and he wrote these words, he said in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible. He says, go ahead and be angry. (laughs) Isn't that good news? Go ahead and be angry. Just say that right now, say, I can be angry. I can be angry. You do well to be angry. In other words, he's saying it's a good thing to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. I think if Paul was around today, he'd say, don't use your anger as fuel for reposting. Please don't be offended with what I'm saying here today, because I'm speaking as much to myself as I am to anybody else. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Now, what's really almost comical about these verses is who Paul wrote them to, and it's the church at Ephesus. Now, to give you a little bit of background about Ephesus, you can read about one of the stories or one of the encounters or experiences Paul had at Ephesus in the book of Acts 19. But Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, it was one of the most explosive environments or explosive cities that Paul found himself in. And in fact, Acts 19, you read about a mob that abs- erupted in the city. What The way it started was there was a group of businessmen who were very disgruntled because their business that was all around idolatry and making these little trinkets and idols that supported the idol worship in that city, it started to tank because so many people were leaving idolatry to follow Jesus, and that was not good for the economy. And so they started this mob and it was angry and it was terrible. I mean, the whole city went crazy. And so Paul's words to the church at Ephesus, they were quite appropriate for a couple of reasons. First of all, Ephesus had a lot of angry people in it. But the second reason Paul's words in Ephesians 4 are really appropriate is because it was, he was warning the church not to retaliate in kind. See, the church at that time in Ephesus was getting blamed for the bad economic issues. The church was getting blamed for a lot of things. They were getting blamed for creating problems with the Roman government who was ruling in Ephesus at the time because it was the church, they were being blamed for disrupting life as the Ephesians known it. The, God, the, the message of the good news of Jesus was changing everything. It was transforming lives. People were getting free. People were leaving behind these empty practices of idolatry that weren't doing anything and they were giving their lives to follow Jesus. And that was disrupting life as they know it. So the church was getting blamed for things and it would have been really easy for the church and maybe even even appropriate in some ways to respond to the accusations with the same kind of force or the same kind of anger or the same kind of retaliation, or even to let that anger fester turn into offense. And see, anger can become zeal or it can become offense. It all depends on what or who we lean into when it's triggered. See, earlier in Ephesians chapter four, Paul is writing this at the beginning, Ephesians 4, 1, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you live a life that is worthy of the calling that he, God, has graciously extended to you. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. This next verse, is, words are hard. Tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love. Oh, I'll say that again. Tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love. It goes on in verse three, make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit has already created. Wow. Make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit has already created. Are we making every effort to preserve the unity in our conversations, in our posts, in our thoughts? Ah, that's a hard one. Make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit has already created with peace binding you together. Jumping down to a couple more verses, he says in verse 21, if you've heard Jesus and have been taught by him according to the truth that's in him, then you know to take off your former way of life. Look, listen to this. Your crumpled old self, that dark blot of a soul, corrupted by deceitful desire and lust, and take a fresh breath, And let God renew your attitude and spirit. Let God renew your attitude and spirit. See, when we're angry, do we lean into God and allow the Holy Spirit to give us a new and fresh attitude, a new mind, new thoughts, a new attitude? Or do we lean into and let that crumpled old self, that dark blot of a soul, loose? It's really a good question to ask. I know here's another important question I think it would be good to ask ourselves, is the way I'm handling my anger, is it really effective? Is it making me more like Jesus or is it making me more morally superior? Let me ask that again. Is the way I'm handling my anger making me more like Jesus or is it making me more morally superior? Those are hard questions to ask. I know this is so challenging because when we see wrong or we see sin or we see what we would consider unjust or injustice, we do want to react. It's that natural thing. We might think that my anger is a righteous anger and we think it is because it's our anger. But is it really righteous anger or here's another hard question, is it self-righteous anger? Is my anger really righteous anger? Or is it self-righteous anger? Because if I'm truly righteously angry, am I as angry about the own sin in my life? See, I can get very critical about someone else's bad language, but ignore my own spiritual pride. Or the other way, you know, I can judge somebody's sexual sin and ignore my own gluttony or greed, or selfishness, or maybe the other way around, I can judge someone else's lifestyle choices and ignore my own sexual sin. You know, it's so easy to think our anger is justified because it's our anger. But see, I think it's so important that we ask ourselves, do we wanna make a point, or do we really wanna make a difference? Do we want to make a difference in the world around us? Do we want to bring in a different atmosphere, a different way of thinking, a different way of being, a different way of expressing, a different way that is, you know, making the world a better place where, you know, it's bringing more of God's love and peace and joy and hope into whatever setting we're in, whether it's real life or virtual life or online or whatever it is? So, how do we learn to let go of anger and overcome being offended number one here's some practical things how do we let go of anger and overcome being offended number one remember people are broken people are broken <laughs> paul gave some great perspective to timothy in 2 timothy three verses two to four he said you see the world timothy will be filled with narcissistic money-grabbing, pretentious, arrogant, and abusive people. They will rebel against their parents and will be ungrateful, unholy, uncaring, cold-hearted, accusing, without restraint, savage, and haters of anything good. That's pretty brutal. Listen, listen this is the next part. Expect them to be treacherous, reckless, swollen with self-importance, and given to loving pleasure more than they love God. Man, expect them to be that's pretty intense. Expect them to be, in other words, this is what humans are, this is what we are. We we need to stop being shocked when people around us let us down, do stupid things, say stupid things, when people forget, when people don't show up, when people are ungrateful or unthankful or post something we don't agree with or that's hurtful. And, and this isn't to say that any of those things are justified or excused, that's a completely different message. This is about our response of being able to remember that people are broken. People are broken. And, you know, and this isn't about becoming negative Nellies, thinking the worst of people either. This is about taking on the attitude that God had towards us, where God saw us in our worst. He saw our sin. He saw our brokenness. He saw our failures. He saw our stupidness. And he loved us anyway. He got close he put skin on and he moved into the neighborhood to be with us and he he loved us anyway. He didn't expect for us to change and because we couldn't, but he did for us what we couldn't do. Is he died to free us and make us into and make it possible for us to live as real humans, humans that would reflect him in everything. You know, Jesus, he was never shocked by people's failure, whether it was the crowds who wouldn't leave him alone when he was trying to grieve his cousin's death, or, you know, the disciples who right after Jesus told them he was gonna go to the cross and suffer and die. James and John had the audacity to say, what? Oh, that's bad. Hey, Jesus, by the way, do you think you could give us special seating on either side of you at the throne? You know, or even Peter. You know, he was like, "Loya, I'm yours, Peter, I'm your man. I'm with you forever. I'm going to die with you. You know, in a few, you know, short time, he was, he lied. He betrayed Jesus. He totally abandoned him. And yet, you know what? Jesus, he didn't quit his small group. He didn't post a rant on Facebook or a virtual signaling meme. He forgave and kept loving Peter. He forgave and kept loving the disciples. You know what? We need to remember that people are broken. And here's the second thing that we can do. We need to grow in our gratitude for God's grace. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says this, for it's by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. It was not our plan or our effort. It's God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. None of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. You know, lift your hand if you've never sinned. My hand is so not down. In fact, I'm tucking it far away because I know that's not the reality. And, you know, Jesus asked that question or made that statement once when, you know, a crowd of very angry people who were very right in their anger because they brought a woman who'd been, committed, who had been committing adultery. She'd been caught in the act. They, were, they brought her to Jesus and legally they had the right to stone her. In fact, they had a whole bunch of rocks and they were ready to stone her. And they asked Jesus, what should we do? This is what happened. She was caught in adultery. The law says she should be stoned. The law says this is the way it is. And you know what Jesus' response was? He says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And you know, I wonder what stones we need to let go of. I wonder what stones of hurt, of offense, of anger, of disappointment that we need to let go of. And you know, I'm not talking about justifying or minimizing very real, horrible, painful things, whether it's trauma or somebody who betrayed you or abuse or any of the things, I'm not minimizing it. But I think it's so important that we ask ourselves that we don't allow anger because anger can be fuel. And are we hanging on to anger? And are we allowing anger to fuel injustice and just make us matter? Allowing our soul to stay inflamed. See, anger has a way of justifying our right to hang on to the stone. You hurt me. You hurt my kid. You let me down. (laughs) You voted for the wrong party. (laughs) Your view on masks is wrong. Your view on vaccines is wrong. Your view on this is wrong. You're spreading false information. You let me down, like, oh, the list goes on. We all have a right. Anger has a way of making us think we have a right to hold on to our stone. And you know what? The, le- the crowd had every legal right to stone the woman, but this is what Jesus, he offered another way. He said, drop the stone because you know what happens? If you hang on to too many stones, you'll sink. And that's exactly what offense does to us. It sinks us, it weighs us down, it weighs down our soul. And see, you know, this is what forgiveness means. The word forgiveness literally means to let go and drop. Because see, if I hang on, I shouldn't have dropped my rock because I need my rock, pretend this is a rock. If I hang on to their offense, if I hang on to that thing, it's becoming part of me. I need to let it go. I need to drop it. And that's exactly what Jesus was inviting, was what he was showing, what what the other way that he was offering. What rocks do we need to let go of? What rocks do we need to let go of? See, Jesus never called us to be right. He called us to love. He called us to grace, and that's what disruptive discipleship involves, it involves disruptive grace, a grace and a kindness and a forgiveness that is so hard and doesn't make sense sometimes. But it's a grace that releases what we can't fix out of our own strength. It releases the healing life and power of God. You know what I want to do? I want us to pray. I want to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to think about what rocks you need to let go of. And I want to pray for you. and want to pray for us. Because we can't do this just in our own strength. Forgiveness is a choice. But we need to make that choice. And God has given you His grace. It is by grace He's already given you that grace that we are saved. It's not something we do to earn it. He's already given you the grace that you need. And so I want to invite you to pray. Can you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, as hard as this is, I trust you and I thank you for your grace that's shown to me where you've forgiven me more than I ever know. And Jesus, today, I choose to drop my rocks. And I want you to just take a moment and I want you to name it specifically. What is that rock? The rock of disappointment the rock of I wasn't appreciated, the rock of they let me down, the rock of they betrayed me, the rock of I have a right to this, whatever that rock is, to say, Jesus, I let go of that rock. And I put myself in the place of receiving your forgiveness, of receiving your mercy, of receiving your grace. And Jesus, I follow you. I say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. And I follow you afresh today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash nextstep or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honour to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.